Welcome to the High Praises Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's Body Life Pastor Terrence Ford. Psalm 50 verse 2 says, Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God will shine forth. Then Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 18. He says, For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched, that burned with fire, to blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of the trumpet, the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure what was commanded. And if as so much a beast touched this mountain, she'll be stoned, shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. Verse 22 says, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly, the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, judge of all to the spirits of just men made perfect to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better than things of Abel you may be seated we honor our pastor in his absence and we thank God for him his family we continue to pray for them. I had titled this message David at one time, and I just wanted to talk about King David and lessons that we can learn from King David, but I think the lesson is going to be summed up in what you see on screen, and the subject today is going to be hosting the presence of God, hosting the presence of God. In Hebrews 12, I don't think my job is really to just break down every single scripture that we mention, but I do want to mention in this text two mountains that we see. We see Mount Sinai and we see Mount Zion. Verse 18 says, for you have not come to, and then verse 22 says, but you have come to. I think that's imperative. I think it's important that we understand what these two verses are dealing with. We know the Old Testament We know that Mount Sinai was where God came, and if anything touched that mountain, it died because the presence of God was so thick there. But I think God is trying to get us to see today, as I'll say again momentarily, how do I I host the presence of God? How do I learn to host the presence of God? And I believe today we'll find it summed up in David and his walk with God. David was a man after God's own heart. Was he perfect? No. We know the discrepancies of David's life. Scripture doesn't hide it from us. We know that 
David fell in love with a woman that he wasn't supposed to fall in love with. He had a man murdered. David wasn't perfect, but however, he was a man after God's own heart. When I look at that, I wonder why was he a man after God's own heart? And I believe that David learned something that you and I must learn to fall in love with daily, and he exemplified this in his walk with God. And this is why I'm talking about the subject that's at hand. This is why our church helps us engage in this on a weekly basis. And I thank God for that, but I want you to know today that even though our church and our worship helps us engage in this on a weekly basis, it's not enough. Let me sum it up this way before I go any deeper in this word. We must learn today as it pertains to the things of God, Christianity, that everything God has given us is to be a lifestyle. It's not to be just a once a week thing. You can do it once a week all you want to. You will not have the full power of God at operation in your life. When you and I learn to make it a lifestyle where I don't need a choir, a praise team to pump and motivate me to praise God, I already got a praise in my heart. All I got to do is think. Think about the goodness of the Lord. Think about what he's already done for me. I already got a praise. I already got a hallelujah and a thank you, Jesus. Some of you You're you, you too messed up because you, you, you waiting on the praise to come on, praise team, sing my right song. No, you're supposed to already have that song in your heart. You don't need nobody to prompt and prime you and get you ready, amen, to enter into the presence of God. God is looking for a generation of people today that's already there. God is looking for a generation of people today that says, I've been through too much in my life, and I know who my Redeemer is, and I know that he lives. And so everything that God does today, he does it on the basis of the finished works of Calvary. This is all through the power of the Holy Spirit. So based on Calvary, everything is finished. Jesus said, it is finished. Hebrews 10, 12 tells us after Jesus offered one sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. So we must understand that the Bible is pretty much a simple book. It's a simple book to understand. It's only gotten complicated because we see it through so many different eyes. The Bible says that the Bible is no prophecy, no, no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. That is in 2 Peter 1 and 20. So there's one interpretation of scriptures. Remember, he says, no man knows the things of God except the spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 2 and 11. So this gives us insight to understand how imperative, how important it is to walk in the spirit so that our understanding will be expanded in matters pertaining to the Holy Scriptures. The spirit knows the word. The spirit wants to reveal to the sons of God, to the daughters of God, what God has in his word for us. There are 66 Holy Scripts written by about 40 authors. It's all written in Greek, Aramaic, Hebrew, All of that to say this, even though there's one interpretation, we've come to understand that there are many revelations based on where you're at, based on what you're going through, based on your walk with God, based on how close you are to God. There are many revelations. There were 12 disciples. All of them saw the same thing, but they all told different stories. 
Same thing, but different ways. Four of them wrote Gospels. Three wrote synoptic Gospels, which tells the birth narrative of Jesus. One, John, wrote the incarnate Gospel. Bam, he's God. All based on where they were, something miraculous can take place in this room right now with hundreds of us sitting in this room. And guess what? If you give the mic to everybody and pass the mic, all of us will have different stories. Same thing, but we'll tell it from a different perspective. Based on where we're at, based on how we see things. So if we understand the Bible correctly, as we read through the scriptures, we'll understand and see that the Bible refers to two men. The Bible refers to two trees, and the Bible refers to two mountains. There's the first man, Adam, two men. And there's the second Adam. The Bible says the first man and the second man. There's the originator of the human race. God's delegation, Adam. And then there's the originator of the spiritual body of Christ. He made all. He is all. He's osmosis. He is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So there's the first Adam and the last Adam, and everything in the Bible is about Adam and about Jesus. Catch this. We're in Adam by our natural birth, but you're in Jesus by your spiritual birth, regeneration. Somebody ought to thank God for that. That God, through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible lets us know that we've been born again. We're born again only in Christ Jesus, where 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creation. Old things are what passed away. All things have become new. Some of us, our stagnation with Christendom as it pertains to the church is, We're taught everything else except what it means to be in Christ. I think it's so important that we learn what it means to be in Christ. We're taught what it means to be in church. We're taught what it means to sin. We're taught what it means to be in debt. Taught what it means to be in trouble. We're taught what it means to go to hell. But nobody teaches us what it means to be in Christ. you got to grasp this today that you are a new creation if you've been born again. If you haven't been born again and you get saved today, you got to grasp the fact that God is going to make you new. And positionally, you're in Christ Jesus. So many of us don't know how to act because... There's nothing worse than God taking a man who used to be an Adam. Look at somebody beside you and say, you used to be an Adam. But God rebirthed you by the power of his blood and put you in Christ. God gave you a new house, but every time I'm looking for you, I find you at your old address. Still caught up in used to and what I used to be in, who I used to be in, what I used to do. It's called spiritual misidentification. I was fellowshipping with some brothers just two days ago, and we were talking about this. It's nothing worse than a man who don't know who they are in Christ Jesus. And when you don't know who you are, you won't know what you can do. But when you know who you are, look at somebody and say, I know who I am. 
you'll know what you can do. And there's no spiritual misidentification. Nothing worse than people who by spiritual existence in Christ still live in a natural existence in Adam. Let me say that again. Don't miss that. There is nothing worse than people who are by spiritual experience in Christ and still live in the natural existence out of being in Adam. Here it is. Trying to figure life out from Adam's viewpoint. They've been translated into Christ Jesus, trying to look at life through the lens and eyes of Adam and not Jesus. And brothers and sisters, I want you to know today, they see totally different. Adam sees totally different than Jesus. Adam has funnel vision, but Jesus has total vision. Amen. Hallelujah. And I no longer want to see life through the lens of Adam. I don't know about you, but I want to see life through the lens of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because I've lived long enough in Adam. There's no perfect people. We are all ex-somebodies. Oh, there's a bunch of holy folks in this room today because I got about five amens on that. You did something wrong. Amen. You're still doing something wrong. Come on, somebody. I've lived there long enough, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. I want to live my life through the lens of Jesus Christ. And see things the way my God sees it. I, I thought about this, 1 John 4, 17. This is what it says. It says, love has been perfected in this, that we'll not be afraid in the day of judgment. For as he is Christ, so are we in this life. So what does that mean? Well, Jesus is not frustrated. Jesus is not sinful. Jesus, come on, somebody. Jesus is not indecisive. Jesus is not anxious. Jesus is not sick. Jesus is not broke. Come on, somebody. The Bible says this in 1 John 4, 17, love has been perfected in you so that as Christ is, so are you in this life. Somebody need to say, Jesus, rub off on me. Come on, I'm somebody need to say, Jesus, come on, rub off on me. Jesus, feel me. Because as you are Christ, so am I in this life. Ah. Woo, Jesus. I love it, I love it, I love it. The Bible says that life, that, listen, the Bible is not only about two men, Adam and Jesus, but it, it's all about two trees. It's the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And most people spend their lives at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Hmm. The, reason, the reason we know that many of us spend our lives at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because we ask questions. Okay, I'm a Christian now. Is it okay if? I wonder if I did this, am I okay? When you stand before the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you ask those kind of questions. Can I be a Christian and do this? We miss the fact that as believers, as blood-bought believers, and as regenerated, spirit-filled believers, we miss the fact that even the appearance of a thing 
can make it look like sin. And we can cause somebody to stumble. I remember I was a babe in Christ. I was growing, and I had received my call to preach. I was put on this committee, and I was at this building that um, I was supposed to be meeting some, some leaders in the church. And, and, and this was about 20-something years ago. So I, I, was, I, was, I was young, married, in love with my wife, and everything is going great. And I was at this building. They called it the union headquarters. It was, it was the building. And, and I'm standing there, and nobody had showed up. And all of a sudden, this young lady walks across the street. And I'm like, oh, okay. I knew, I knew the young lady. She went to the church, church that I was familiar with. And, and she stood there and said, well, they, they're not here yet. I'll keep you company. And I said, no, you won't. <laughs> because at this headquarters, there were cars driving up and down the street. And I said, people are going to see me over here and think. And I, I had to tell a quick lie, elders. I had to tell a quick lie and say, Lord, forgive me. I said, I got to make a quick run to the store right quick. I'll be back. And I left because I was afraid of the appearance of how it looked to other people. Y'all are hearing me in this room. Some, sometimes you got to get so caught up in how something looks that you say, if it looks bad, <laughs> We, we got to understand today that God in his word is the highest authority in the land. God in his word is the highest authority in the land. There's no other authority that can take over the, the authority of God in his word. So whatever God says in his word, that's the highest authority. That's what I live by. You can tell me to contradict it all you want to, I want. You can tell me to go against it all you want to, I can't. His word is the highest authority. The second highest authority in the land is, watch this, the governor, the Holy Spirit. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So the Holy Spirit, God has given his Holy Spirit to live in me. There's a reason, there's a purpose of the Holy Spirit living in you. He's to lead you and guide you. You're not supposed to say, okay, Holy Spirit, here you go, follow me. And some people live in their lives that way. Follow me, Holy Spirit. No, no, Holy Spirit, lead me. Lead me, Holy Spirit. And I'm going to get a hope to you. Amen. And I ain't going to let you go. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. Second highest authority. And the third is, is in line with the Holy Spirit. God and his word is the highest. The Holy Spirit, the governor in us is the, the second. But the third, watch this, don't miss this. The third highest authority in the land is supposed to be tied into your, con your, 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 the Holy Spirit is your conscience. Listen to me. Because there's sometimes where you're asking questions, as I said earlier, as you're standing at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Is it okay if I do this? And your conscience, conscience simply means umpire. What does an umpire do in a baseball game? Safe, out. There's a lot of times your conscience is telling you, out. But 99% of you is saying, do it. 1% is your conscience saying, don't do it. And I want to submit that that 1% is who you need to listen to more so than that 99% that says, go ahead and do it. 
You better listen to the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I got so I don't have time. Here's what I'm trying to get to. The, 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 okay, okay. Two men, Adam and Jesus. Jesus is greater, right? Two trees, tree of knowledge of good and evil, tree of life. And third, two mountains. This is where we're going to end at today. The Bible is about two mountains. It's about Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. Don't miss this. If we only desire spectacular events, we could only be living in a supernatural moment and miss it. We can miss God because in today's generation, we've been so driven for bells and whistles and explosions that if it's not exciting, it may not be supernatural. And the problem with Mount Sinai is it possessed everything that we as a Pentecostal body of believers love. It had fire. It had lightning. Everything was shaken. And here's what happened. God came down, sat on Mount Sinai, and you think, well, if God showed up, the people would run to God, but the Bible says the opposite happened. God came down, sat on Mount Sinai, and lightning and thundering, earthquake and fire and supersonic blast, and the covenanted people of God didn't run to God, they ran away from God. You, you read the word, it's, it's in there, Amen. They ran from God and said, Moses, you go represent us and tell us what God says. We can't take no more talking to him. And all of a sudden, the God who wanted to be among his people now found his people running from him instead of towards him because they never learned how, don't miss it, to host his presence. How do I host God's presence? first gift that God gave Adam in the Garden of Eden was his presence. The Bible says that God came walking in the cool of the day. One interpretation says God came walking in the air. It is the same interpretation in Galatians 5, 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit. You are physical beings by natural birth walking physically on the earth, but in the spirit, I need you to walk above the earth. That's what God did. Amen. He came walking in the cool of the day. And he said, Adam, I'm going to come and I'm going to talk with you every day and I'm going to fellowship with you every day and, and I want you to host my presence. Church, this word this word hosting God's presence means in the kingdom of God today, it means to provide a faculty for a great function. So how do I host the presence of God? I need to provide for him a faculty for great function in the earth realm to, watch this, receive and entertain his presence. Because, folks, we were built for fellowship with him because apart from the presence of God, I don't know about you, but I can't live. We cannot live. And this is the scripture I say every time I preach in him. Do I live, move, and have my being? Let me explain it this way. When God made fish, he spoke to the ocean. When God made herbs and animals and trees, he spoke to the earth. But when God made man, he didn't find a source in the earth to make man. So he spoke to himself. 
<laughs> he spoke to himself and said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So you can take a cow, set it in a cage platform, and it will die because apart from its source, it can't live. You can take a fish out of the ocean, and he can't live without his source. And if you take a man and separate him from his source, he will surely die. Ah! Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That's why I want to stay in communion with him. That's why I want to stay in fellowship with him. Come on, somebody. I got to stay connected to my source. He is my everything. Ah. This, this is, ooh, I feel the presence. This is why the Lord is trying to raise up places that learn how to host the presence of God. I thank God for Pastor Billy and our team and how they carry us into the presence of God every week. I thank God for Mary Beth and, 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 and worship nights. They're, they're trying to help us connect to the presence of God because in our midst, listen to me, we have the walking dead who are looking for a place, who are, they're looking for a place to come alive again. It's just not, it's not that TV show that we used to watch. We got the walking dead living among us. Some of them are sitting right next to you. Look at somebody and say, I see dead people. <laughs> yes, Lord. And so from Sinai, we have God now having to live behind curtains. He has to once again be hidden. He has to be contained because man ran from him. Man didn't want to know how to live in fellowship with him. Man wanted representative relationship with God. Pastor, you go. You go talk to God and you come back and tell me what he said. So we got God living behind curtains in three compartments. But I don't know about you. I got to get to the back room. Amen. I don't have time to be out here in the hallway in the fellowship. Come on, somebody. I got to get to the back room where my God is because, come on, somebody, I need to stay connected to my source. And When God gave Moses the tabernacle furniture, he starts with the Ark of the Covenant and designs it out to the laver, out to the holy place, until he ends up at the brazen altar. Why? Because God built a pathway from God to man. God began in the glory and came to the brazen altar where we find repentance of sin. Then he told man to enter into the house. He told them to come by the way of the altar to the laver till you end up in the glory. In other words, people of God, you start this way, and God says, I'm going to start that way, and we're going to meet together. Hallelujah, somebody. Will you meet God in the middle? Hallelujah. Where his presence is, I want fellowship with my people. And it wasn't as much as about bulls and goats as we think it was. Amen. We know that that was a process to help men stay clean at that time. But we go to the book of Hebrews and it says the blood of bulls and goats was ineffective. 
could no longer carry us into the presence of God. So there had to be one last final sacrificial lamb, and we know his name was Jesus. And Jesus came and, amen, helped us enter into the presence of God where now there's the fullness of joy as long as I stay in the presence of God and I don't have to be ashamed, I don't have to run from him. And they go through hundreds of years of sacrificial worship. But in the middle of all this Old Testament history, there comes a young man named David. David was can't do it with the mic in my hand. David was the eighth child. Pastor told you that we preachers, we love numerology. We love numbers. Seven, Pastor said, is the number of completion, the number of perfection. Amen. Eight is the number of new beginnings. And David is number eight. He says everything that's been done in the previous order is done, and I'm about to begin a new order of people. He was the one that everybody overlooked, even his dad overlooked him. His brothers overlooked number eight. He was the one that God brought to the forefront. And I believe today that there is a generation of number eights in this room who are about to rise called the people of God. And the world will overlook us, but God is about to bring some Davids to the forefront. Amen, somebody. And when David... David came on the scene. He gets a revelation of a finished work. Nobody else had it. So when he becomes king, he does something that's never been done for hundreds of years. Don't dare miss this. Saul was king. Saul was king for 20 years. But for 20 years, he never saw the presence of God. He, he never sought the ark of the covenant. Saul was content to have position without presence. Saul was content to have function without power. He was consent to, he was content to have function without presence and glory. Saul was content to just go through the motions of being king. Just going through the motions. You, you could call it just, just having church. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just have church. I don't want to just go through the motions. Amen. David wanted his presence, not position. David wanted his presence and his glory. David didn't just want power. Amen, somebody. And when David becomes king, they had one bout. They, they, they get the Ark of the Covenant, and they're bringing it back to Jerusalem. And then Nacon's threshing floor, the oxen stumble, and Uzzah puts his hand forth to, to stop it, and he dies, and David is now afraid. And so they take the Ark of the Covenant to Obed-Edom's home. And anybody that's got the presence of God is going to be blessed. Obed-Edom said, welcome, God. Obed-Edom had a garden out there that wasn't producing nothing, but all of a sudden his tomatoes got big. Them big, juicy red tomatoes. He was so close to God when God's presence was there, he said, Lord, I want some big, juicy green tomatoes. I want some fried green tomatoes, God. And God said, okay. Obed-Edom's wife stepped out the house, and boy, she looked like she ain't never looked before. She was like, People are like, who is that? Who that be? Oh, that's Obed-Edom's wife. 
And the word of God starts spreading. The pe- people of God start spreading. They said, man, you know what? Ever since Obed-Edom got that ark sitting in his house, boy, his house blessed. Everything he do blessed. And guess what the word went to? It went to David. David, king. I got to tell you something, David, man. Obed-Edom, man, I, you know, I ain't trying to start nothing, but boy, he blessed. David said, all right. I know why he blessed. Three months have gone by since we set the ark at his house, and now it's time to go get the presence of God. And so they go to Obed-Edom's house, 30,000 men, I believe it was, and they grab the ark of the covenant, and the Bible says that they're carrying the ark, not on a cart this time, but he got the priest in order, and they're carrying the ark. And the Bible says after six paces. They stop and sacrifice to God. I'm I'm here to tell you those six paces to us today represent God being so good in your life that God, every step I take, I got to stop and say thank you. God, every move I make, I got to stop and say, Lord, thank you. Because I know where my help comes from. All my help comes from God. Not going to let a day go by that I don't say, Lord, thank you. You've been so good, Lord, you've brought me through danger, seen and unseen danger, and I'm going to bless your name, God, because of what you've, been, what you've done and what you've been to me, God. Amen. And they take the Ark of the Covenant and marches it back to Jerusalem in a parade. And guess where he's taking the Ark to? Not to Mount Sinai. He's taking it to Mount Zion. You see, King David had made Zion... He had made Mount Zion his home after fleeing from Saul. This is in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 7 through 9. And I found that, that Zion is referred to as Jerusalem. It's referred to as the city of David. It's referred to as the city of God or the dwelling place of God. And David goes after the presence of God and says, God, I have to have your presence with me at all times because I can't be separated from my source you're too valuable to me God I gotta have your presence with me all the time I love it the Bible says when he gets back to Zion which some theologians believe it was six or seven miles that they had to march the Ark of the Covenant back to Zion from Obed-Edom's home. The Bible says he does something that's never been done before. He doesn't put up the two outer parts. He doesn't put up the courts in the holy place. The Bible says when he came back to Jerusalem, the Bible says in Zion that David built a special tent. He built a special tabernacle and set the ark on top of Mount Zion, and it appears that he does something that's unbelievable. He lifts up the curtains of the tent, and now the God who was once hidden is no longer hidden. Everybody can see it. As a matter of fact, they see him marching with the priest and everybody in position. They see him marching the ark into the city. David wants everybody to see who his God is. David wants everybody to understand that now you can meet with our God. 
Because up until that point, you had to be a member of the priesthood to go into the holy place and experience the presence of God. But David said, I am not no priest. I'm not a high priest. I haven't been any of that. Guess what I am? I'm just a shepherd boy who had an encounter with God. And I don't want to ever lose that encounter that I had with God. Amen. I've never experienced this. Maybe some of you in this room have. They said that individuals who have been hooked on crack cocaine, they said the problem is they're chasing the very first high that they ever got, and that's why they do it for a lifetime, trying to find that first high that they ever got, and they can never find it again. When we got saved, God touched us in a way that I want him to touch me again. So I'm chasing after him, trying to get him to touch me again, Lord. And I'm so glad that unlike drugs, God is not like a drug, amen. When I just want to enter into his presence and bask in his presence, amen, God will come and touch me again, amen. And and he'll touch you again, and and he'll touch you again, and and come on somebody, he'll keep on touching you, and he'll keep on taking you higher, where the scripture says he goes from glory to glory. Hallelujah, somebody. David said, I'm just a shepherd boy, and I know how I got where I am. I know how I got here. I got here by the one who dwells between the cherubims on the basis of the mercies of God. And I'm going to lift up the curtain so everybody can see who my God is, at least while I'm transporting him back to Jerusalem. Amen. And let the whole world see what my God looks like. And they're going to find out that he's full of goodness and mercy. Hallelujah, somebody. And his, his mercy endures to all generations and he wants us to know that he's not mad he's not against us he's for you question is are you for him amen and he wants a relationship with you to be able to dwell in in, amongst his people and you dwell in his presence and while David put the ark up on Zion down in Gibeon they still had the mosaic tabernacle set up Where every year they had the outer court, the inner court, the holiest of holies, and the priest would go in and light the candle every day. But guess what? The presence of God was not there. It was in Mount Zion. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be where God isn't. I want to be where my God is. And I'm closing here, but 2 Samuel says, 2 Samuel 6, verse 20, it says, David brings the ark into the city of David and to Jerusalem, to Mount Zion, and he's dancing as he's bringing it in, and his robe comes off, and he's still covered in his private places, but he's dancing, and, and the Bible says that David blesses the Israelites I believe the scripture says he gave them some bread and some some cakes of raisins and and David returns home to bless his own family. But when he got home, there was somebody there who didn't know how to host the presence of God. The Bible says he ran into his wife. 
See, 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 a prophet is without honor, but in his home, oh, come on, somebody. I'm here to tell somebody that sometimes the people that are closest to you can be the very ones that Satan will try to use. Michael, Michelle, however you say her name, she was like, you looked like a fool today. Out there dancing, old King David. And we all know what happened to her. She was barren for the rest of her life. Why? She didn't know how to host the presence of God. See, there's going to always be people who are going to tell you it don't take all of that. Some of you are just like me. You grew up Baptist. I heard as a young Christian in the Baptist church, it don't take all that. Terrence, it don't take all that speaking in tongues. It don't take all that. It don't take them nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I didn't listen to that, Pastor Billy. I, I, I had a desire to go deeper in the things of God. And because I had a desire to go deeper in the things of God, God baptized me with the Holy Spirit. Amen, somebody. And, and I don't know who I'm talking to in this room today, but let me, let me help you. What I used to do, my wife is a witness, I just turned some worship music on and I would just, I just lay out on the floor in the presence of God. And one day as I was visiting God, God visited me. And God said, because you're seeking me, you found me. Tag, you're it. Baptize me with his precious Holy Spirit. I begin to speak in tongues. Amen, somebody. I can't explain it. All I can tell you is it happened. I wanted the presence of God more than anything else. And to all of those who say it don't take all that, I'm here to tell you it takes all that and then some. Amen, somebody. Because you don't know where I came from, you don't know my story, you don't know what I've been through, but I do and my God does, amen, somebody? And I'm going to enter into the presence of God. Stand on your feet. And I'm going to host the presence of God. My question to you today is, will you be an incubator to host the presence of God? I know you got to work. I know you got to live. I know you got to administrate family and life and all of these things. But in the midst of all that, will you host the presence of the almighty God? Will you offer him the sacrifice of praise? Will you enter into his presence with singing and with thanksgiving? Will you worship him for who he is, not for what he can do or what he's done, except for what he did on Calvary? Will you, will you, will you, will you, will you say, God, here I am. I just want to be filled. I just want to host your presence. I've read your word and your word says in the presence of God, there's the fullness of joy. Some of you don't have that joy because you don't have the fullness. You don't have this presence in your life like you need. I'm not judging. I'm just telling you. I, I, I know God wants you to experience his presence where there's the fullness of joy. 
and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Do you have that hallelujah anyhow praise? That no matter what I'm going through, no matter what life has presented, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Will you be the vessel that says, God, here am I. I want to host your presence. Use me. I want to invite you in daily, God, into my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All over this room, can we just give God a great big hand clap of praise? Thank you, Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. That's the visitation. That's when his presence comes in. Amen. For those of you who are in this room, you may be new to this. 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14, we see the giftings of the Holy Spirit. And what we just experienced today is a word of tongue and an interpretation. Amen. And just like that, God speaks to us. And we just give him praise for his presence. That's hosting the presence of God. All over this room, will you just lift up holy hands and say, God, I, I invite you in. All over this room, will you just, come on, lift those hands and say, Lord, I invite you in. Do whatever you want to do in my life. Transform me into your glorious image. Here am I, God, just like you called Samuel. Here, my God, speak to me. Use me. Fill me. Hallelujah. Have your glorious way in me, God. Here am I. Here am I. Have your way. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. You can take everything from me, God, but please don't take your presence. Come on. While you're worshiping just for a moment, the praise team is going to sing. And I just want you to focus on the presence of God. He's, he's here right now, and he wants to fill you. He wants you to host his presence. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, 
please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.